You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. What an honor to be here. Jurgen and Leanne, thank you guys for inviting us here. I think that they're the greatest thought leaders. I follow them on Instagram. I was telling Jurgen about two months ago, I don't know when it was when we were corresponding, I wrote out this whole text to him about, man, I want to be like you. How do you speak so well to the culture? How do you do it? And I read it back to myself, and I was like, I sound like an idiot. So I just deleted it all, and I sent you something. I was like, hey, how's it going? Love what you said on Instagram. (laughs) Literally, that's what I did. And um, that's when he hit me back and said, hey, I want to have you at my church. So I counted an honor. I really do. You know, what's interesting. I feel like you guys are so so well spoken in this in against with this culture and speaking to the culture because you have soft hearts you understand that hardened hearts make you stupid it, it really absolutely does hard hearts make you callous you know the bible says that the, 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 when it talks about when the holy spirit when you hear his voice don't harden your hearts you know what it's talking about don't be stupid <laughs> that's, that's number one number two It gives a picture of someone walking with their eyes shut and their ears closed. That's what this culture is doing. They don't even feel anymore. They've shut down. Sin has got so rampant in our our world and our culture. You know, because sin has a starting point, but it doesn't stay at the starting point. It gives birth. And when it gives birth, it gives birth to death. And that's, I'm not speaking this over the culture, but do dead people feel? No. You could hit a dead person with a hammer and they're just going to not feel a thing and won't even respond. And that's what a picture of our culture is. But the Bible says when you're, and another thing that happens when you harden your heart, you lack understanding. I'm like, man, you guys have so much understanding and wisdom that like, Lord, I just speak that over myself because it's already in me because Christ is there. You just got to let it out. You know what I mean? But anyways, that's, that's not my message, but today I really have a message that I, it's, it's, it's a good appetizer. Thank you. <laughs> so I mostly sing. Many people know that. So if things go south, I got a couple songs locked and loaded in the, in the barrel in case y'all start falling asleep. I'm ready to go. We're going to put another song in the oven and get everyone all excited. <laughs> hey, do you have a picture of my family? Can I introduce you to my family? Is that all right? Oh. <laughs> Say hello to the Incredibles. <sighs> Babe, you had to choose this picture. You really had to choose this picture. <laughs> we do this every day when we go home. We just paint our faces. <laughs> so this is, okay, I'll start with my oldest. This is Danielito. He's eight years old. Our second, this is Victoria and our only girl. This is Gabriel. Let me tell you, this guy is a handful. I mean, he is, his smile will melt you. And then right here is Emmanuel. My wife is in the front row. Stand up, babe. Nope, she doesn't like There, stand up. What did you do? Did you just like switch positions? Because you didn't get up, did you? Leah said, as my wife, we're celebrating our 10th year anniversary. So I wanted you to get to know my family. So can I just pause? Keep that picture up there. How many of you watched me on American Idol? I know why I lost. Okay, I get it. It's, that's all good. 
Today's a day of new beginnings. I'm, I'm gonna get you to vote for me today, okay? If I couldn't get you then, can I get you now? <laughs> um, if you remember the, the story, I lost my first wife one month unexpectedly before going on the show American Idol. It was not in the plans. And it was unexpected, and, and, and people said, well, why did you go out for the show? Well, it was the last chance, and I made a promise to my first wife, Sophia. But here's what I love about God. God is writing your story already. Did you know your story's already written? Yeah. Every page is laid out. And I'll just tell you this. Now, somebody that makes you discouraged, she's like, I'm pretty sure this is not what God wrote, the chapter I'm in. I know. <laughs> you know, it's never too late to get to the chapter you're supposed to be in. And here's another thing that God is so good, he can make up all the lost chapters in your life. This is why the Bible says he works everything together for our good, right? What is everything? Okay, well, here's my everything. I, the Lord told us before he was born, when she was about six months pregnant, the Lord began to speak to us and name him Emmanuel. And I was like, I love that name, Emmanuel, God with us. Little did I know that Emmanuel would come, a few months later, he'd come on the exact birthday of my first wife. Now, that, some of you are like, oh, and then the rest of you are like, that's weird. Like, how do you, you got a wife? That's the old wife. What happens here? Let me tell you this. She's resurrected. She's in her new body. She does not miss anything down here. As a matter of fact, she wants to see me succeed. Here's the thing. If any of you have walked through loss, since I've walked through loss, I want you to know this, that they're, if they're in Christ and, they, they, and they're in their resurrected state, they want you to move on. They want you to turn the page into the new chapter and they want you to be happy. You know, it's interesting. When Sophia first passed, I made vows. I made agreements. And those agreements are powerful. Agreements are powerful. You know what I started doing? I started saying, I'll never get married again. I'll do all these things. Thank God he began to rework the way I was thinking because it's not the end of the road. There is a new beginning. Now, let me finish the story. The Lord told us the name. He comes on Sophia's birthday. I remember holding him, Emmanuel, God with us. And this was the exact thought process. You are God with me when I lost Sophia. You were God with me when I fell into bouts of depression because I allowed the enemy his voice to be louder than your voice, but you still, in that season, you were God with me. You were God with me in the anxiety. You were God with me in the hills. And I just want to remind you, he's God with you. And his word says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Matter of fact, that word is a double negative in the Greek, and it's never, ever, ever leave you. I think that was three, but anyways, I, I think that's what he meant. So anyways, isn't that a cool story? Let's get, to our, let's get to our word today. My notes are disorganized. I got a little carried away in the first service. Oh, I, I got let me organize this real quick. Let's see, how did I do this? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Okay, I think that one. <laughs> That's a little secret I got. I can sing when things don't make sense. I don't know how I did this. Secret sauce. <laughs> it is secret sauce. Um, this is the first one. We were getting down in first service, y'all. I was just throwing papers and just like, you're healed, throwing my jacket at this side. <laughs> I Benny Hinn that side earlier this morning. <laughs> I like Benny Hinn, by the way. I'm not making fun of him. I do like him. You like him too? I love that guy. <sighs> what did I do here? <laughs> Apparently, he just said his wife, Leanne, likes Benny Hanna. I'm going to tell you. My wife, she'd be talking to me in Spanish right now if I said that. Oh, yeah, then you. Uh, yo sé. Pero es como diciendo que tú 
le gusta comer, que te encanta comer mucho. That's what I'm saying. Entiende? We're just having a little Spanish fight here. <laughs> I'm a white boy who speaks Spanish, and I did it because I was like, y'all ain't gonna talk about me in front of my face. Uh-uh, like, listen, you met your match when you met me. <laughs> I got, I got it organized. Thank you, Lord. Let's put the sermon title up there, Faith. Here's the sermon title for today. Faith, the key to living in victory. Man, you know, Jesus made a statement, and get your hearts ready. You know, if God can use a donkey, like, that gives me hope, right? Like, you can use me. Like, and this is how you all should feel. Not because you're donkeys, but because it's like donkey, me, and then you. So it's like, Jesus said this in Luke 18, 8. He said, when I come back to earth, will I find any faith on the earth? And he was talking about, and if you look at the verses before, it was all related to the parable of the widow, the persistent widow. And what's the story behind that? She was in a very tough times. I've heard some say that this, this parable relates to the end times, and I really believe that we are in the end times. You know, and I don't know what that means, because a day is, is a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is one day. But here's what I know, the signs that Revelation talks about, I mean, it's so evident. I'm flipping through my scriptures like, what chapter of Revelation are we in today? Like, I, do y'all feel that way? I'm just like, I think it's 13 today and so like you're just kind of guessworking it all anyways the persistent widow in very tough times Jesus was talking about how to not lose hope and ever give up all right and so Jesus is talking about how she he, she's she's asking I need your help defend me defend me from whatever was happening and finally the king's like you know what I, I don't like this lady I'm a king but she irritates me so I'm going to do what she says so I can get her out of my hair and the king grants her the wish, but Jesus is saying, if that king in that time would grant her the wish, how much more your father in heaven, who is a good God, hear your prayers, even in the midst of the pressure, he's hearing your prayers, he's answering your prayers, but you have to catch it by faith. Because in those circumstances, many people, when they're not, when your prayer's not getting answered, when you read the scriptures and it looks exactly opposite of what your life looks like and what God says you have, many people in this moment are pivoted to changing or denouncing the faith, we see that, or allowing their experience to begin to dictate the truth, where really the truth should always dictate what we're experiencing in the moment. That is, let me say that again, a lot of people when they read the scriptures, they see how their life is different, so they begin to water down the scriptures. They'll, they'll see someone who doesn't get healed, and they'll say, well, you know what? God must only heal sometimes because, you know, we prayed for so-and-so. No, the Bible makes it very clear that by his stripes, we are healed. And some of you are looking at me and saying, well, your wife passed away. Why wasn't she healed? You know what? I don't, I don't know everything. But let me tell you this. What makes me as an unqualified judge is that I don't know everything that happened in the spiritual realm. I don't know everything that happened in, in, in the physical realm. So since I don't see the whole picture, I only see a part, I'm unqualified to judge so therefore what becomes my standard the word of God by your stripes I am healed so therefore this is the whole picture that's all I need to know now one of my favorite preachers because of that one of my favorite preachers he was in a healing line one time and he said he said he didn't see this lady get healed and they prayed they were praying and then finally this lady passed away and people, his friends, people that he went to church with or that he was pastoring at the time, they all changed their view on healing. 
They allowed the trial of their faith to harden their heart and to change their view on what God's word says, right? Well, he just told them straight out. So you're going to tell me that God's word is false or we're missing something? He's like, I've read through the scriptures. It is very evident that God, when Jesus was on the earth, he healed every single person that came in contact with him. And so he said, I'm not changing my belief. Well, this pastor some years later, because he kept his, he, he, he fought the good fight of faith. He kept it up even when things weren't lining up. His son dies. Admitted to the morgue, toe tag on. He got his wife out of bed and he said, you know what? Either we believe this thing or we don't. He went to the morgue with the toe tag on. They raised their son from the dead. This, this is the essence. So the Bible says right here, it says, so it says, why are people denying the faith? This is a little point to have. They're deconstructing the faith and they're turning away from the faith. Why are they doing that? Because their experience looks a lot different than what they see Jesus do and what they say Jesus can have. And many people at that point, let that be the final word in their life. Now, some are good, meaningful Christians and like I said, we don't understand when people pass away. We don't understand when sickness is not healed. We don't understand when things, but what we do is we stand on God's word, right? Someone wrote this, uh, and let me, I, I, this meant so much to me that I, I've kept it with me. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to read it to you and let it, see how it hits you. It says, lately I hear a lot of, well, my Jesus would never, to be followed by, I don't know what your Jesus would do. He said this, we don't get to have our own version of Jesus. Jesus is not subject to our opinions. We don't get to have our own version of who Jesus is and who he isn't. He's not subject to that. We don't tell him who he is. He tells us who we are. And he tells us who he is. Right? So depending, the, the things he said were both brutally harsh and unimaginably hopeful. Depending if you're on the side of arrogance or humility. Instead of spending our time trying to deconstruct what he said and who he is, we, that we, man, I wrote that wrong. <laughs> Instead of trying to spend time deconstructing what he said and what we made him out to be, we do much better first actually reading what he said about who he is and letting his word deconstruct us so that we can be fully his. So we hear things like this, fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12. Did you know that you're in a fight of faith? Whether you know this or not, there's actually a fight happening right now, and your faith is at stake, and everyone's faith is somewhere, depending on how they fought that fight or how they surrendered to that fight. It's legitimately, that's exactly where you're at right now, is depending on how strong your faith is by how well you have fought. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, you hear people say, man, man, I know God's going to move now because, man, I worshiped my heart out. Whoa, man, I'm sweating. I really worship. I prayed for three hours. Man, I fasted. I bet you God's pleased now. Nope. No, he's not. That's, that's scary, right? How about you add faith to that prayer? How about you add faith to your fasting? How about you add faith to your worship? All of a sudden now it's not contingent about what your actions were and your work, but now that you're standing, because what is faith? It's a full reliance on who God is and what he said he is. So in three Bible passages, Jesus said, um, Jesus healed people and said, your faith has made you well. 
you would think that he never said that the way that people, I'm just waiting on God. Well, if, if the Lord wants to heal me, he'll heal me. And, and I think somehow we bend that right there because we're scared of the disappointment that could erode our faith if we're not grounded in the faith. You have to be really grounded in faith when things look exactly opposite of what he says we're supposed to have. He healed the 10 lepers, the women with the issue of blood, and the blind man. The, the Bible says right here four times, the just shall live by faith. So this faith thing is pretty important. Wouldn't you agree? It is so important. It's actually the most important thing. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter that it's like our faith being tested like precious gold and it's more valuable than gold. It's the most valuable substance on the earth and in heaven is your faith. So let's look at what the definition of faith is because this is really important. So there's a lot of dictionaries out there, but I, I found this one and I love this one. It says specifically firm belief based on confidence in the authority and veracity of another, the authority of someone rather than upon one's own knowledge, reason, or judgment, earnest and then here's another one, earnest and trustful confidence. Then number two says strong belief or trust in someone or something. You know, if you may not know this or not, but you actually have faith. You either have faith in God or you have faith in yourself. And one of the greatest things that you can do, one of the greatest statements of faith that you can make every morning is to get up and realize and acknowledge that you are not God. It's one of the great, and that you actually need to lean on the true one and holy God. Amen? Amen. We always have faith in something. There's always something we believe. Now, this is the thing that I think confused people. Why are we not walking in the victory like we should? Because the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. So why is this so important? Because when you accepted Christ into your heart, your spirit was made new. You're as holy as you'll ever be. Your spirit is identical to Jesus Christ right now in this moment. There'll never be a moment where your spirit is holier. Your spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's quiet because I think people say, wait, 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 wait. Can we just put up 1 Corinthians 6, 17 on there? I'm going to prove this out in Scripture. But he who is joined to the Lord is What? You're not two spirits. You're one spirit with him already. Now, what does that have to do with why is it a fight of faith? Because your flesh, the flesh, what you live in, your, your, your emotions, your mind, will, and emotions, your soul are the other equation to you. And you know how the enemy works? He's a flesh devil. He works everything through your flesh. And there's always two that are opposing each other, which talks about in Romans 8. It says the flesh lets against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, right? So there's always two things going on in your heart. We either believe what our flesh says, and I'll tell you this, our culture is in this right now. They believe what they feel every moment. Today, even though I was born a male, I'm a she. I know it's funny. And, and, and if you're dealing with that, there is no condemnation. But it's death and destruction. It is no good. It, and tomorrow it's going to change. I'm a they. Do you understand what the, what the flesh does? It deceives you. And it deceives you through the vehicle of your mind, will, and emotions and your carnality. So how do we beat this? How do we defeat 
this right now? The, how do we defeat that this culture is going one way and we're all feeling this one thing and, and, and I feel this way in my body. I know what your word says. This is where a lot of people abandon the faith because they don't know over time that their flesh has hardened their heart. Their small agreements with their flesh have turned them off to God. Even these are born again believers and now they renounce their faith because all they can perceive through is their flesh and not the spirit. But let me tell you how faith works. Let's start talking about it. The Bible says that there's a, someone called the father of faith. Can we learn about who this father of faith is? If they call him the father of faith, what does he have to teach us about our faith? His name was Abraham. Now check this out. Abraham, his, his name started out as Abram. God spoke to him and said, I want you to take your family and go to a place that I will show you. So he picks up his family. He goes to a place that he shows them. And then he's, God starts making another promise. He's starting to learn God's character through this, this father, through, through who he is and who his character is. And he's starting to build his faith and his reliance and his trust in God. And then God says to him, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham's like, wow. And God says, I'm going to make your, your descendants like the stars in the sky and your descendants like the sand of the sea. And Abraham is blown away. He's hearing this word. It's building something on the inside of him. But then all of a sudden, even though God says that, it doesn't happen. Right away, there is a tug of war of is he trustworthy? Can I trust him or is he playing with me, playing with my emotions? You know what's interesting to me? He keeps moving forward. God keeps building his faith along the way. And then God does something so incredibly Godish, like like you would God. <laughs> he says, "I'm changing your name." I don't know how many years in this was. Your name is no longer Abram; it's Abraham. And back in those days, Abraham names had meaning. His name meant father of nations. So when you said the name Abraham, you literally were saying father of nations. So now it is a whole new step of faith that Abraham has to not only see this, now he's got to begin to speak about this, which most of us are scared to because we're going to look foolish. I don't want people to judge me. I don't want them to think I'm weird. Well, I think you're weird that you don't believe God. I think it's weird that you don't receive what he's already paid for on the cross for you. So before I go, that's a whole other sermon right there. He had to introduce himself. They would introduce himself. He'd say, hi, I'm Abraham. And they're like, you're father of many nations? I'd love to see your nation. <laughs> I don't have a nation. Oh, wow. Are, are you okay? Yeah, God promised it to me. God? Who is this God? Doesn't it sound like our culture today? What God? No, there is no God. Just deconstructed. I'm, I make my decisions. The universe is God. No. I love that Abraham, he held on to his confession of faith. And the Bible talks about, in James, it says, great blessings belong to those who are tempted and remain faithful, those who are tried. Because after they prove their faith, God will give them the reward of eternal life. God promised to all those who love him. You know what I love about Abraham? It says God is building his faith. All of a sudden, Abraham starts falling in love with this God. You see, what I understand, this is something I can't prove out fully yet because I'm still studying the scriptures, but you know, why is faith so important to God? Because it gives birth to a real relationship. It gives birth to real love. You see, because God can, to many people, they look as God as a genie. Give me this, 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 give me this. And when God tries them, like, I thought you were just good and I thought you were this and that. God is not looking 
for illegitimate children. He's not looking for spoiled brats. He's looking to impart his character, who he is, into the people that follow him. Amen. So faith, all of a sudden, is more than just your promise. It's now deepening your relationship with this God. It is now trusting this God. It is now believing this God. It is now hoping in this God. It is now giving everything you have for this God. Amen? So now we learn this, that that Abraham, it was 25 years later that he finally received his promise. He could have deconstructed, he could have rebelled, he could have got angry, he could have said, you're just toying with my emotions, but he didn't. And when God said, I want you to lay down your son for me, he loved God much more than he loved his promise. And it wasn't about what could God can do for me, it was now I love you more than life itself, and you love me more than life itself, which is why you gave Jesus for me, I'll give anything for you. That's what faith does. But many people have not gotten to that point of faith because they've been dictated by their flesh and what they feel, what they think, and what they see. And in that, in the, in, while faith is being grown and while it's like a muscle, it's getting stronger, in the middle of the test, they weren't found faithful. They weren't found true. And they ended up deceiving themselves. The word, a lot of people say that the word, you know, I tried the word, it didn't work. No, the word tried you and you didn't work. Can you imagine? And most people don't see that because they live for the now and the moment. So what does faith look like today? So we have the Old Testament version of faith, but the Bible says there's a New Testament and that the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. A shadow. It just was a shadow. So listen, you want to know what that's like? It's like this. My shadow's right here. Would Would you run up and meet my shadow or would you run up and meet me? This was just a picture of what was to come. This is the real thing. So how do we have faith today in this day and age? What does faith look like? Can you put Galatians 2.20 on the screen? I woke up a couple years ago. I was defeated. I felt like my life wasn't matching things. Like I'd have victories and then everything else was like, ah, Ah, man, I'm struggling this area. This, this is bothering me. This is, I, I, I'm, I'm having anxiety. I got depression. The Bible says we're supposed to be free in Christ. What's going on? And that night I just said, God, what's going on with me? I woke up that morning and this scripture, I woke up with the scripture in my heart. It said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know what my initial knee-jerk response was? Because I was raised in church. How many people were raised in church? I was super religious. Like everything was about Jesus died, but now it was up to me to finish what Jesus couldn't finish on the cross. And we would never say that, right? But we sure were fighting for our salvation. Like, oh, it was all me and not him. So the first thing I thought, the, the religious side, <laughs> duh. <laughs> I haven't crucified myself enough. And on the inside, I'm trembling. Like, I swear I tried this. I swear I tried this. I've done crucified. I've fought my flesh. It has not worked. And then when I looked in the Hebrew, because my mindset was like, oh, it's on me. Uh, I'm having problems because I'm just not acting right. I'm just, I'm not thinking right. I, 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 I don't know the word enough. And when I looked at the scripture, it said, when he died, in the, in the Greek, I died. He died once I died. And it says, now the faith, I live by his faith in me. You know what's interesting? 
This is not when Jesus died on the cross and he said it is finished. He literally paid for everything you would ever need past, present, and future was done on the cross 2,000 years ago. And yet so many of us are, are, are confused and not understanding, well, God's just not answering my prayer. And, and I got to start a prayer chain because we got to strong arm God into doing what I need in my life. And, and we're doing all these, these, these rituals that are actually defeating us on the inside it's actually pulling away our faith we're not dependent on God anymore we're dependent on what we can do how we can please him but that is not what the faith is anymore he says I've been crucified with Christ but it's no longer I who live because he died on the cross the one who started the work in me is the one who's now going to live in me and finish it through me it's not by might nor by power but it's by his spirit living on the inside of me do you understand this? This is the good news of the gospel. It's not just he paid for your salvation, past, present, future, but now he wants to live through you and give you the victory every day. And how do you do it? You put down the flesh. You don't live by the dictates of the flesh, but you begin to feed the spirit with his word. You begin to worship with him. You begin to let the God that's in you out. Amen? You don't have to pray for revival. Revival's already inside of you. Listen. Let me ask you this, is with Christ in me, before I go there, put up the next scripture verse, Colossians 1.27. Sorry if I'm really excited, but this has really helped me in my life. And you might, you might know this already, but this is a key to victory. It's already done, but now your faith needs to appropriate what God has already paid for. So Colossians 1.27, and this is what God led me to next. It said, to them God willed to make them known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is that? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you read that? It is, so what does that mean? It is Christ in you, the hope of overcoming that addiction. It is Christ in you, the hope of having a marriage that honors God and honors each other. It is Christ in you, the ability to love the unlovable. And let me tell you, there's a lot of unlovables right now, especially in politics. I just joined a prayer group, and I'm just going to be like fully transparent. It's called International Something for Prayer. I forget what it stands for. But I, I opened the email because I've done some stuff with them, and they were like, have you prayed for Kamala Harris yet? Have you? <laughs> Have you prayed for Joe Biden? And I, in my mind, I was like, no, and I don't want to. <laughs> but then I was like, no. No. Christ in me. I can love the unlovable. <laughs> and it lists, have you prayed for... Uh, Andrew, what's your name? Cortez, what's that lady? Oh, I especially ain't prayed for you yet, girl. <laughs> For sure. Hey, I hope I'm not stepping and kicking any cows. Understand this. We love you guys. We, whatever, we just love you, right? Because God's love is inside of us. Anyways, and I remember I, I had to start going back, not to what my flesh wanted to do in the moment, but I had to go to the spirit that lives inside of me and say, hey, God, you know what? I know my flesh doesn't want to do this, but you live in me and you want to live through me. So God, right now, I, I open up the prayer and then I click the I prayed button and I close the email as fast as I could. I did that by faith. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, the enemy wants to keep you of who you already are in Christ to keep you defeated. Do you not understand? This is who you already are. But if the enemy can blind you to what your constitution says, which is the word of God, he can keep taking advantage of you and he can keep running all over you and keeping you defeated and allowing sin in the flesh to harden the heart so that at some point you look at the word of God and you say, you know what? He's not real. This is the fight of faith. It absolutely is the fight of faith. So number one, what's the key? Put number one up there if you don't mind. And I hope this is making sense. And if it doesn't, just keep praying in the spirit and we'll get there. The key to overcoming faith is to identify with what God says over what you feel, see, see or think. Now, this is a key that would set some, so many people free, everyone free if they wanted this. We have an identity crisis in ourselves at times and in our, especially in our culture. This is why people are changing pronouns. This is why people, because sin, like I said earlier, sin's ultimate goal is to bring death and to, and to take you all the way to the end of where that road is, and that's full conception, and that is death. So for instance, sin inside of you will make you lust right here, but it's not going to stay there. Sin's not, if you keep sowing to the flesh, the next thing will be pornography. The next thing will be illicit relationships. And the next thing, now I believe this is true, and I... I believe through generations, because some sins take a long time. To, I believe in next generations, it turns into pedophilia. If not dealt with, bestiality. I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but sin just doesn't stay over here. And if you don't deal with it at this point in your life, your kids are going to have to deal with it. This is why it is so important to put the flesh under. Believe what God says. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will believe what God says over what I see, over what I think, over what I hear, over what I feel. Number two, faith appropriates. Let's put that up there. Number two, faith appropriates what God has already said about you and done for you. You know, we have a constitution Amen. But can I, can I remind you? Enemies don't obey constitutions. They don't. This is why we have police. And police, if ran correctly, they will enforce the constitution. But the enemy, think about the enemy of your soul. Does he look at God's word and say, oh man, they're a new creation. Guess I'll just move on. <laughs> no. You're like, he's a new creation? Well, you know what? I'm going to never let him know that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to flare up the flesh, and I'm going to flare up the ignorance, and I'm just going to stay there to a point where he turns away from God because he's like, you know what? This can't be true. The Bible says this. I'm this. God must just not be a thing. And you know what? But the Constitution, the Bible has to be enforced by you. And how do we enforce this? By faith. So what does this mean? When there's sickness in your body, you say, by his stripes, I am healed. Now, in that moment, the enemy will be flaring up your flesh saying, you're not healed. You're actually vomiting. You're throwing up. No, 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 no. His word says this. So I don't care what you do. I am saying I am healed. And let me tell you this. If people, like my first wife, if they died, guess what? We died in faith, declaring scripture. We died believing that God still is a healer. And you know what's even better? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is a healer. Now, here's one of the cool things is because this really is for all sickness and all disease. You can ask my wife this. I don't get sick very often. Very rarely rare. When sickness comes in right away, you know what I begin to say? 
by your stripes, I'm healed. I don't make, you know what we do? We live in this world, this fallen world, and here's what I notice. You know, people, people just accept that, we're, that every, well, everyone gets sick, don't they? You understand that's an agreement? You just made an agreement through your eyes, through your thinking. You came in agreement with what you saw. And, and I'll break this down even further. My father was a bigger man. And I remember in his 40s, he was overweight and he would sleep a lot. He had to work a lot. I love my dad. But I didn't realize this until I started getting the word. I had made an agreement that I was going to get older. I wasn't going to play sports. I was going to get out of shape and I wasn't going to be healthy. Because in my mind, I said, that's what happens to everyone. Your eyes are a gate to your heart and you don't even realize that you're making agreements. So when sickness comes in and I get on my wife, because I tell my wife when you're sick, I said, have you, I said, I understand that's the facts and I understand, but facts can lie because the truth is that you are healed by stripes. I listen, have I had opportunities to get sick? I got plenty of them, but I'm telling you this, they're usually gone within an hour or two. And guess what? There have been times I did get COVID. I did get it. I heard y'all had a Covember. <laughs> oh my God. I was laughing so hard. Covember. Like, anyways, but you know what? I didn't even realize I had COVID. I had no, I thought it was just stress. I was like, oh man, I'm stressed out. What am I doing? It wasn't until I woke up in a pool of sweat. I was like, oh, I think I got COVID. <laughs> but even in those moments, even when I couldn't dodge the disease, you know what I said in that? By your stripes, I am healed. I receive your healing. I believe your healing. So faith appropriates what God says. That means you have to police your spirit and you have to police your flesh and say, flesh, no, no, there's no temptation common to man, but God, if the temptation comes, you're going to make a way out. Now your flesh is going to say, you need this. The only way out of this is just fulfill that fleshy desire and you're out of it. But no, the flesh, you can kill the flesh by giving it poison and the poison for the flesh is the word of God. It is the worship of God. It is the presence of God. It is that poisons sickness in your body. So what, we need to know what we're appropriating here. Can we put up Ephesians 2, 4 through 10? We're going to learn some things right here about what has already been given to us. The Bible says, but God still loved us with such a great love. Can I just pause there right now? Do you know how faith works? What's the engine behind faith? Love. Faith works by love. So the smaller your faith you probably, if you have small faith right now, it's because you have a small revelation of God's love. And people with small faith tend to think that God is always looking over their shoulder. That, oh man, I'm just not good enough. But when you understand that God gave his most precious prize for you, which is Jesus Christ, there was nothing. You want to know how valuable you are? There was nothing more valuable in heaven that he could give. He reached for the most valuable piece. He didn't go to this level and say, oh, I'll give an angel for them. No, he didn't do that. He said, I'm giving my son. He I could give my streets of gold for them. That could purchase them. He didn't think about that. He said, I'm going to give my son. I'm going to make a trade. I'll trade my son for you. Isn't that something to think that God, that means, you know how valuable you are? Sounds like you're just as valuable as Jesus to him. Do you understand that? So let's go. It says, but God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Next verse. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us. Look, we were already dead. 
We were already doomed. So there was nothing. It's not like a dead person can get up and fight. They can't. We were so hopeless. But he united us. He united us to the very life of Christ. He saved us by his wonderful grace. Next verse. What else did he do? He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him to the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For now... We are co-seated as one. Another verse saying, we are one already with Christ. I want you to know something. You're already seated in heavenly places as you speak. You have all the authority you need. So let's keep going. He raised us up with Christ so that throughout the ages, we will be able to see the visible and infinite limitless riches and grace and kindness. Do you understand when we get to heaven, it's going to be every day we're going to see a new side of God's grace. Every day we're going to see another infinite, look at it, infinite, forever we're going to see more grace. We're going to see more riches. We're going to see more kindness. It's, it's almost hard to believe which was showered upon us already in Jesus Christ. Did you have anything to do with that? No, it was all, it was, and it keeps going. It says right here, the next verse, it says, for it was through his wonderful grace that we believed him. Nothing we could ever earn, nothing we could ever do could earn this salvation. For it was a gracious gift from God brought to us by Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast. For salvation is a reward, is not a reward for good works or human striving. We have become his poetry in Christ Jesus, recreated people. Listen, you're recreated. You're already a new creation, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny that he's given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in our advance and destiny the good works we would do to fulfill it. So how do we fulfill this work? We are saved by grace through faith, meaning it's already done. But now the fight comes in. Will you believe what God says in spite of what the culture says? Will you believe? what God says in spite of what you see? Will you believe what God says in spite of what you feel in your flesh? Because that is the fight of faith. Now this is, can I have the band come up please? This is what Paul says right here. Go to Galatians. Because this is something that we need to remind ourselves. This is not by works, people. It said that he raised us up. He placed us in Christ. He seated us in heavenly places. So obviously, he's going to finish the work. That's why he says, you're now dead. I need you to die to yourself. And I need you to let me live through you. Because in you, I will finish this work. So Paul says this right here. He says, Did, I want to learn something from you. Paul, their teacher, is now asking him to teach them. He's like, teach me something. Because he was confused. He said, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? It's by faith, right? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit, you are now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? So check this out, this verse. For he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law? By you trying to fix yourself constantly? By you just trying to, in your flesh, make this thing happen? No. Or he said, or did you receive it by the hearing of faith? Your fight is going to be believing God's word. That's what I love about this church because on another side, in the physical realm, they believe in the rights that we were given in our constitution. And even though the whole culture is telling us how we are just wrong for doing that and how we're innately these bad people and whatever they want to say, we're saying, I understand you think that way, but this is what we've already been given. And so you know what? 
I'm going to police this and I'm going to ensure this and I'm going to fight for this. That's the same tenacity that you have to have in your spiritual life. When the enemy lies to you, when you cannot pay your bills, I don't care if you can't pay your bills for six weeks. Your tongue must never accuse God. The Bible said Job did no wrong in accusing God. He did no wrong. The minute you turn on the flesh and you harden your heart and you deaden yourself and you close off, you, basically it's like putting up a wall inside of you to what God has already paid for. When you do that, that's when it's a, a road that will never end. It only gets darker. It only gets darker. It only gets darker. So how do we appropriate this? Can we put the last verse up on there? Because I think this is so important. This is Philemon 1.6. And this one you got to get in your spirit. Because I'm telling you, the victory is already yours. You're already free. You're already of a sound mind. As he is, so are we. The Bible says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we could ask or think. And what's, there's a contingency there. According to the power that works inside of us. Is that power the flesh that's working on the inside of you, that's deadening you, that's hardening your heart? Or is that power the Spirit of God that is mortifying the flesh? Because Romans 8 says, if you by the Spirit mortify the flesh, you will live. Understand that. This is help of the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit to make it through this journey. Woo! We can go verse after verse that this is all about you making room for the Spirit of God in your life. It's, what is the greatest step of faith? Waking up in the morning and realizing you're not God. Right? I'm not God, so that means there is a God, and I better pay attention to what He's doing. Now, how do we make this faith effectual? That the sharing of your faith may become effective. So our sharing of our faith, I'm going to share the faith. I'm going to speak faith over myself. I'm going to speak faith to my friends. I'm going to look at my bills, and I'm just going to share that. God says that he supplies all my needs. You got bills due today, God. You're going to supply all my needs. <laughs> Lord, I believe that you want us debt-free. Here's the mortgage of the church. Here's the mortgage of my, my car. Here's the mortgage of, and you know what, God? I'm going to work with you because you, there's no limitation in heaven. And as on, on earth as it is in heaven, you're walking on gold. I'll take streets of gold as coins. I, I don't know, like, y'all can step on it. So he says that your faith become effective by the acknowledgement of what? Every good thing which is in you, in Christ. Can you see that? You, you know, for some of you that are dealing with wanting to have affairs right now, you feel like you're not happy in your marriage. Can I tell you this? You're acknowledging what the flesh says about you. You're acknowledging what the devil says about you. But Jesus on the inside of you never leaves he never forsakes, and that character's on the inside of you. So you just need, you know, this is why we bow our head. He's in us. Heavenly Father. We don't, a lot of people will look, oh, there's a revival over there. They'll run to this church, and they'll be like, is he here? Oh, I didn't sense him here. Mm, let me get over here. Is he at this place over here? Shoot, I didn't get a prophetic word. I really needed that. Uh, I'm going to have to wait for the next conference when God's like, I'm here. I'm called the counselor. One moment with me is still better than every single counselor in the world added up together. I can give you one word that'll set you free. And we're running to get something from someone else. You know how I know this? I was that guy. Why are you laughing so hard? Honey? She knew me as that guy. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. <laughs> ah, I'm not going to make it. Just need to know you're with me. Uh, the Bible says he's with you. Yeah, I know, but mm, I don't feel it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Then you get a word and you're like, okay, I got a word. Uh, uh, uh. 
I need another word because I feel like he's not there still. <laughs> you run over here. Oh, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. Well, all the while the enemy's like, yeah, I keep feeling that because your hopelessness is hardening you because you're not beyond hope. If you think you're beyond hope and you want to commit suicide in this room, how selfish and fleshy it is. Although you've deceived yourself to see this is heroic. I'll just put myself out of, you understand what the flesh does? It glorifies abortion and then all of a sudden makes you feel like a hero when you do it. The flesh wants all the way to the, to the end of the road but God has a purpose for you. He's already created you to do good works in Christ Jesus. It's already written. So now what you got to do is you just got to acknowledge it's already in me. Lord, today, today, you're going to set me on the path that I need to be because you're in me. You're in me. You reside in me. And guess what? That means you're going to take me exactly where I go. So I'll do what, and how do you, what's a practical way of doing that? What's a practical way of saying that he's going to take me everywhere I need to go? Lord, I just, I, I don't trust in myself, but I trust in you with all my heart. I don't lean on my own understanding. So guess what? So today, God, I just acknowledge you in all my ways, and you're going to direct my path. Amen. I wrote, a, I wrote a song about this. Can't escape disappointment. Can't avoid the delay. But I don't have to make feeling down and defeated the place that I stay. Gonna rise to the moment. Gonna speak to the waves. Gonna push back the doubt that keeps dragging me down when I can't find a way. Change to see miracles happen. 
unshaken, it's already established in Jesus, so you're unshakable. You understand your faith has an effect on the next generation. The faith of this church has had effect on school boards. The faith of this church has had effect on governments. Because what we don't see is that our faith, if we don't enforce our faith and receive what God has for us, it begins to harden people even more. You don't know what's at stake here. You know, there's a hardening that happens in a culture, and that culture begins to disintegrate, and it's even more difficult because they become unpliable. But I want to go to the next thing. You know what? If you don't know Jesus in this room, if you don't know Jesus in this room, I want to give you an invitation to meet him. I don't know why you're here today. Maybe someone brought you. Maybe you saw the church on the road. You're like, I'll just stop in today. Let me tell you this. He wants to make his home in your heart. Now, for those of you who have been going to church your whole life, I understood this reading the scriptures. There are some people who miss Jesus because you could be in church your whole life and you can miss Jesus. You know how I know this? Because I saw the rich young ruler do it. I saw the Pharisees do it. And they missed Jesus because they misunderstood Jesus. They thought that Jesus was trying to take something away from them. They thought Jesus, because remember, the flesh cannot interpret what God is doing. It takes the spirit to be awakened and see. Don't misunderstand Jesus and then miss Jesus in this place. Here's the remedy. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. But understand this, that truth will not transform you unless you receive that truth. And if you don't receive that truth, because the opposite, the Lord spoke this to me one time, truth doesn't transform until it's truth received. That means you can be around truth, but if you don't receive it, It'll never transform you. What's the opposite of that phrase? Lies don't transform until they're lies received. And a lot of people in this room have received lies about who Jesus is, lies about what the enemy says you are. It has transformed you into something that you're not because lies have transforming power. Have you seen a homeless person? Have you seen a, a bulimic person? Have you seen somebody who's abused? Have you seen someone under the influence of a demon? It's, it transforms them. So today... I'm going to count the three. And if you want to accept Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand up. One, this is your opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. Begin to pray. Just begin to pray. This is your opportunity. Two, he loves you. His love is unconditional for you. His heart is for you. The Bible says he sticks closer than a brother. If you want Jesus, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus into your life. Raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus into your life. I see a hand right there. I see hands going up. I see back there. I see hands going up. I see hands going up. If you want to accept, listen, if you raise your hand, can you come down here? Can you, I want to meet you. Can you come down here to the altar? Listen, I know there's some more hands. I know there's more hands. I know over here, I see a hand right there. Come on down, sir. I know there's more hands. There's people who are fighting it over here. Anyone else? I see a hand. I see a hand. Come on down. Come on down. Come to the front. I want to meet you. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. 
If anyone else wants to come down, you can come down in this moment. Hello. I'm Danny. Hi, I'm Danny. Hello. So it's right here. Is anyone else? Want to come over here? It's okay. No? Don't come? Yeah? You're invited. There's a space for you. Come on. Come on. If we have more, we have more. Come on, keep coming down, keep coming down. I'm telling you, I know it's bold. I know it's bold. We have more right here, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. We have more. Hi, sweetie. Can I shake your hand? doing today, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. Do you understand this? You're transferred. You're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into kingdom of light, meaning everything that God has is already yours. You're an inheritor. You're a, a, a co-heir. You get to heir all of it, meaning freedom is being one of them. Freedom from sin, from darkness, from depression, from anxiety. Can we pray? Can we just squeeze a little more for her? Because I want to see her. Come on closer, come on closer, come on closer. Did I get everyone? Did I shake your hand already? All right, we're just going to say a quick prayer because the Bible says it's with the confession of the mouth. So there's two things that happen. You confess with your mouth, but it's out of a belief in a heart. Meaning, God, you know what? Your Lord, I am not. So say, Father, thank you for dying on the cross. I realize in this moment by your Holy Spirit that I need you. I'm desperate for you. So thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin, for taking my rebellion and dying in my place and being raised from the dead. And because you were raised from the dead, you now justify me in salvation. Jesus, you are Lord. Holy Spirit, take my life. Live in me. Christ, live in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.